Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, I'm Janet Morena, Executive Director of Priest for Life. Welcome to our program. Well, you know, recently we woke up after Election Day, and I think as pro-lifers, we felt a little disappointed about Ohio, that terrible issue one amendment winning. Oh, my goodness. We thought we had enough people to say no, but unfortunately, that didn't succeed. And then in Virginia, we had a chance to increase the House and flip the state Senate there. And we lost that too. And I I don't want you to be discouraged. What I want you to do is hear exactly what happened, but what we're going to do to get up, pick ourselves up and go forward and fight, fight, fight for the unborn. So joining me today, I'm so proud to have with us a great expert. His name is Stephen Billy. He's the vice president of state affairs with the wonderful Susan B. Anthony List. Welcome, Stephen, to the program. Janet, so wonderful to be with you today. Great to have you. And first of all, I have to say thank you, thank you, thank you to SBA. You guys poured so much time, resources, and money into both those states to try to have a better outcome. So I guess I want to ask, let's, let's look at Ohio first, okay? Uh, I know that we, we all know there was Protect Women Ohio, the coalition of all the pro-life groups, Priest for Life. We did a lot of work with everyone on our list, phone calls, emails, postcards, you know, so many groups kind of, we all, you know, unlike last year, I do think the pro-life movement, the national groups understood we have to make the state initiatives a national issue by all of us working towards that goal. So wouldn't you say at least we did better rowing the boat together? together? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think you, you covered it well saying it was a disappointing Wednesday morning when we woke up after those elections. Um, but there is a lot to take away from Ohio for us to move forward. And we know that this is the greatest human rights fight of our lifetime. Um, and, and we're not going to win those battles every single time, but we are in it for the long haul. And as a movement, we're going to continue to stand up and speak for the unborn and, and stand with those mothers um, in, in their times of you know crisis or unplanned pregnancies or, or just working with them so that they can love their children. Um, and I, you know, I think there's a lot that we can take away from Ohio. You know, we had an incredibly unified movement, as you mentioned, at the national level. We had groups coming together. We had the state groups all working together, working in unison. But on top of that, we had Governor DeWine helping lead the fight, uh, you know, filming himself for TV ads, being out there engaging with the media and bringing the message and the truth directly to the voters. Senator J.D. Vance was engaged. Uh, we had other statewide officials and, and candidates engaging in the race. And so I think we saw you know, for the closing of that campaign, for the, you know, following the August election, heading into November, for the first time we saw the pro-life movement fully unified, working alongside pro-life political leadership. And that's something that we have to build on going forward into other fights. Right. Okay. So I, I guess the first thing is I'd like you to tell our, our people, we were outspent, of course. And, and the shame of it is the money didn't come from pro-abortion Ohioans. Mm -hmm. No, it came from outside money. And, and how bad was that with the 
influx of outside money to defeat us. Yeah, I, I think we have to be very cognizant that the other side, that the abortion industry and their allies are running this as a national campaign. You know, they are they are looking to go into multiple states and treat this as a presidential style campaign. You run a national campaign, you go state by state to get your victories. They're bringing in all of their money from D.C. They're bringing in their liberal money from the West Coast and the East Coast, and they're bringing in you know liberal dark money to fund this. This wasn't funded by um, Ohioans in large part. You know with maybe the exception for uh, Martin Haskell, the creator of partial birth abortions, who donated significantly to the campaign to bring his business back to life in, in Ohio. Um, but we have to pay attention to how the other side's coordinating these efforts as a national campaign and using, you know, they spent $60 million to our $30 million. We have to understand that that's the kind of money that they're going to put into because they know that their policy is too extreme for the voters. They know that they don't have support of the people for abortion up until the moment of birth. They don't have support for abortion without limitations. They just that policy is too extreme. So it takes $60 million on their side to lie to the voters about you know miscarriage care or care if there's a life of the mother emergency. You know, one of the, the most offensive things was they were running ads and going on the debate stage saying there's no life of the mother exceptions in Ohio. That's patently not true. It's in the statute. It's in statute multiple times in Ohio code. Um, but they're using that money because they have to they know they have to fear use fear and scaremongering to get victories in these campaigns because their policy is just far too extreme. Right. And, and you know, I just want to stick this in right now, Stephen, that you never, ever have to pit the mother against the baby for this life of the mother. If you listen to pro-life doctors, what they do is they treat both patients. So what does that mean? You don't go in and abort the baby by pulling it apart limb by limb and crushing its skull. No, because that's also dangerous for the mother. Okay. What you do is you bring both of them, bring that mama far, as far along as you can in the pregnancy, do everything possible. Now, when you get to that point, yes, you induce labor, deliver that baby, and then do everything you can in the NICU to resuscitate that child. But this way, the mother doesn't have the guilt. What we deal with is the regret that she felt responsible for the death of her own child. And so, therefore, the better medicine is treat both patients, right? So I just had to get that in there. You know, you deal with both patients. There's no such thing as needing life of the mother if you're treating both patients. Yeah, and, and it's... Unfortunate that the medical establishment, the um, the medical associations, the hospital attorneys, um, uh, you know, ACOG we've seen out there with their policy position now is supporting abortion without limitation through all nine months of pregnancy. You know, these are the medical associations that should be helping bring clarity to the situation. Instead, they're sowing confusion. Um, I firmly believe that the individual doctors are trying to do, in most cases, what is right and make sure that they're able to protect mother and baby. Um, but they're being told and, you know, by the media uh, through these ads from the abortion industry and then, you know, th intentionally with a lack of clarity coming from the medical associations um, that they need to be scared or confused or that there's, there's repercussions for them performing their job. Uh, that simply isn't the case. All of the pro-life states allow doctors to act and, and take care of both mom and baby. Uh, and that's one of the things that as a movement we're going to have to focus on. We're going to need um, a incredible clarity in every state facing these ballot initiatives about what the laws allow and what they don't allow. And what they don't allow is the intentional destruction of an unborn child's life. That's right. Okay. So now let's, let's switch over to Virginia for a minute. Again, everyone thought with such a great pro-life governor, like uh, Governor, governor Yunkin, that we were going to succeed in Virginia. Mm -hmm. What happened there? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think Governor Yunkin showed a lot of leadership. Um, he showed, you know, that you can't shy away from this issue, that that Republicans can't put our heads in the sand. We can't pull the ostrich strategy. We know that the other side is going to attack on it. And so we have to fight back. Um, and I, I believe he he showed the model of how to start that and, and do it in a way that we can be successful going forward. Um, what we have to, you know, again, account for is the, the mischaracterizations, the misinformation funded by millions of dollars from the other side. When you look at the spending, the other side spent nine times as much money as Republicans, um, and half of the advertising money from the Democrats was spent on the issue of abortion. They made it a focal point. And, and furthermore, uh, not only did they talk about the issue, but they lied about the position of Republicans. They, you know, they ran ads saying that Republicans were going to ban all abortions and have no exceptions, including no life of the mother um, uh, ability for a doctor to act. And so they're telling lies about uh, about the position of the Republicans in Virginia because they know that just last legislative session they were supporting a constitutional amendment in the the Senate uh, that would allow for abortion without limitation, and they know there's no support for that in the Commonwealth. So again, they're using millions of dollars. Um, they're using national groups. They're they're getting support from all over the country to run these ads that lie about the position of the Republicans. Um, that lie to the voters and spread misinformation. And we just we're going to have to find a way to talk directly to the voters because we also can't rely on the legacy media. We saw that in both Ohio and in Virginia. The legacy media has bias. Um, they are they are bought and sold for their hook, line and sinker for the abortion industry. Um, and we have to do a better job at combating that talk, talking directly to the voters uh, when we don't have the, the ability to go through legacy media. And, um, you know, it's going to be very hard for us to go dollar for dollar on TV against the Democrats in the abortion industry. Right. Well, the other thing, too, I think doesn't help us is that the three weeks right before the election, what do the Republicans do? They have a fight over the speaker and mm. they don't legislate. They, they're they're not working. They, they hold Congress for three weeks. Mm -hmm. So I think also there was a little bit of being so many of the people who live in Virginia also work in DC and there might've been a little bit of a, Oh, we're annoyed just with the Republicans. Cause look what you did with the, the whole thing, shutting down the gov, not shutting it down, but just a stalemate while you fought over a speaker. I don't think that helped us. I would rather have <laughs> that fight not have happened. Right. <laughs> it was like, we don't need this right now, you know, because the other side will always paint that against us, lose everything they can against our side. All right, but let's let's think positive now for next year. We have quite a few states that have amendments that that they're trying to get on the ballot for 2024 elections. However, they have to get signatures. So okay. let's look at state by state in this whole thing that we're trying to say decline to sign, don't sign this. Um, tell us where we are state by state in that battle. Yeah, so I'll quickly just go through kind of the list of states that are live and, and then dig into them a little bit. You know, um, signatures are being collected in Florida. Signatures are being collected in South Dakota. Signatures are being collected in Arizona. Um, Missouri and Nebraska amendments have also been filed, but they're not yet in the signature collection phase. Uh, in Florida, you know, the way their process works is they'll be collecting signatures and, and you know, uh, reporting at least shows that they've gotten the, the minimum number that they would need. That doesn't mean that they're all valid, that they would all be approved. Um, but reporting is showing that they've gotten to the threshold that they need uh, to get on the ballot. But they're going through a litigation process in Florida where the amendment gets referred to the Supreme Court for an opinion on whether it meets the statutory requirements. Is, is that amendment language single subject and is it misleading to the to the people of Florida? 
Um, and the Attorney General, Attorney General Moody, wrote, wrote a very strong brief arguing that the amendment violates that statutory requirement. Um, Susan B. Anthony, Pro-Life America, also filed a brief along with um, the, the coalition that's formed down in Florida, um, basically arguing that, no, this is a multi-subject amendment. Um, you're talking about pre-viability limitations and protections. You're talking about post-viability protections. You're talking about medical standards, conscience rights, all kinds of different areas and, and topics and subjects come into play. Um, in addition to the fact that the way the amendment's written and the summary language provided by the abortion industry is misleading to the voters. It does not fully characterize the, the impact that this amendment would have in the state of Florida. So that litigation will, will move forward as briefs are filed and, and then move into oral arguments. In so, Arizona, oh, I'm sorry. So just for Florida for a minute. So when might the state Supreme Court here in Florida hear that case? And when might we get a decision on that? Um, briefs, briefings are happening right now. The court hasn't scheduled oral arguments. I, you know, my, my best guess would be that there's oral arguments sometime by the end of the year. Um, a decision probably is likely early in the next year. Okay. So say you went Florida for a second. Mm -hmm. So I know there's a lot of groups, including ours that are working on this, telling people decline to sign. Mm -hmm. Are they still out there trying to garner more signatures and should we still try to stop people from signing it? Definitely. And, and another part of the client to sign that can be um, very beneficial to us is it's a talk to it's a chance to directly engage with individuals, voters. So whether you're in Florida or Arizona or they're doing a really good job with it in South Dakota, you know, it's an opportunity to talk to people and explain to them what is this men amendment really about? What is the extreme policy of abortion up until the moment of birth with no restrictions impacting parental rights? Um, make sure that you're using the opportunity to talk to people during decline to sign and educate them because then as we move into a campaign situation, um, we'll have that educated base of voters to work with already. We'll have used the time wisely to make sure we're exposing the extreme policies the other side is pushing. Okay, so what state's next? Arizona, um, so their language was most recently filed. Uh, they're in the, the signature collection phase. Uh, a decline to sign effort is getting underway and again, uh, the opportunity to utilize that effort um, to discuss with people and explain to them, um, make sure that we're exposing how extreme the policy is. In South Dakota, they filed their amendment um, a while ago. Uh, it, it, the attorney general put out a summary of what that amendment is, I think does a, a decent job of explaining how far the amendment would go in South Dakota. Um, but their, their coalition, Life Defense Fund, has been running a really strong decline to sign effort. You know, the abortion industry had said they would have all their signatures collected by the summer. Um, they've not yet submitted them or, or you know, um, uh, requested that the signatures be ratified. So I think that's good to know that you know they had a, t a timeline and that timeline at least apparently hasn't been met or, or publicly hasn't been met. They've not filed anything that we've seen um, and there's been no reporting about it. Um, in Nebraska, that one uh, was the most recent language to be filed. Their process that the language is not public yet. It has to go through a review process in, internally to the government. Um, so that should become public later this week. Um, and then they'll start collecting their signatures. And then Missouri is, is one of the um, oddest uh, processes where the abortion industry files a number of amendments. The Secretary of State then provides summaries of those amendments. And after the summaries are, are finalized, basically the, the abortion industry comes back and chooses the one they want to use. Um, all of those uh, amendments and the summaries are now going through different phases of litigation. Um, but I think one of the things to really pay attention to in Missouri uh, is they're saying the quiet part out loud. The abortion industry is actually having public infighting with itself 
where members of the abortion industry and, and their allies are coming out and saying they won't support any amendment that has any kind of limitation. They've even gone as far as saying that a limitation at viability would be too much for them to get behind if that's included in an amendment there. And so I think, you know, we have to really understand and, and utilize our knowledge and, and from each of the fights that are happening um, and how that's going to impact all the states going through the ballot initiative. So if you've got the abortion industry in Missouri saying they will accept no limits, you know, that is their goal. That's their true end goal in the other states. And we're seeing that play out in Michigan right now um, where they're moving forward, repealing basically any pro-life protection that's been in place. Now that they've passed the abortion amendment there, they're getting rid of all the protections in, in law. Well, and, and one of the uh, things I think that they're zeroing in uh, that we should point out is they're trying to get rid of in these states that have women's right to know uh, things in their in their laws. They're trying to wipe that out, too. And when you, you know, when, Steve, when you think about that women's right to know, like what's wrong with that? Why shouldn't someone be you're about to undergo a procedure, a medical procedure to destroy the life of your unborn child? Why shouldn't you know about the procedure, fetal development? Why shouldn't you go in full full force with all the knowledge and then say, okay, I agree, right? I mean, they're really they're really going after just women's choice, so to speak, right? Because if you if knowledge is power, so if you know, now you can choose, right? Yeah, I mean, when you look at what they're going after when they're they're trying to take away informed consent, um, you know. Their amendments would eliminate health and safety standards for abortion clinics. They would, you know, prevent regulation of abortion clinics to make sure that they're, you know, have cleanliness and that we're not repeating the horrors of Gosnell all across the country. You, know, you look at the things that they are opposing, um, and I don't know how, you know, they can then, uh, with a straight face, make the argument that they're the party of choice or, or that they're the ones standing up for for mothers. Um, it, it just really doesn't seem that that's the case when they're getting rid of any protections or any information that could be given to mothers um, during that period. And, and you know, it's not what they say as much as what they do. Not only are they repealing the laws um, up in Michigan, um, but they're, they've been in court making these arguments. Um, all, the, all the laws that have been able to be passed and, and implemented under Roe v. Wade, you know, the informed consent, the waiting periods, um, the, the medical standards, uh, the ACLU and Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry have been in court fighting against those, saying that those are undue burdens, that they're hindering the abortionists. Uh, so it, 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 it's their actions that speak louder than their words um, and show what their true intent really is. Wow. Okay, so let's just review it for everyone, because I think we're in a very tight timeline now going into 2024. And a lot of people are kind of paying attention to the presidential candidates and the primary discussions and all that. So I don't want us to lose sight of, we have some hard deadlines coming up. I think Florida is February 1st. And even if they're touting and, and saying, oh, we, we, we have enough signatures. No, because we don't know how many signatures will get thrown out and then they'll need X amount more. So right. we should still, from now till February 1st, Floridians and everyone, if you know someone in Florida, you should be contacting them. Do not sign the petition, right? February 1st is Florida, right? Correct. And then okay. Arizona is July. Um, Missouri would be six months prior to the election. So I believe that would be around May, but they don't have their final amendment in place yet. Right. Uh, South Dakota would be November, 2023. Um, so they're, you know, they're, they're uh, one year prior. Um, so they're coming up on their deadline there. Um, and then Nebraska would be the other one they have until July, 2024. So those dates are very important for everyone to remember and also know that 
it really is so important to start those conversations now Absolutely. because if you talk the decline to sign and don't get people to sign, even if by lying and you know they get it on the ballot, mm -hmm. you've already educated the people why they wouldn't vote for that amendment. You know what I'm saying? So you're really you're you're kind of working towards November anyway or the fall because some of these states have early voting. It's not too late to reach out. And I tell everyone, take out your Christmas card list. Take out all the people that you get get in touch with at least at Christmas time mm -hmm. and make sure you're alerting them. Because I think, Stephen, the biggest problem we have is we're, we're asleep. We're sleeping. And our people a lot are not aware. I can tell you a story about one of the members of my parish, uh, this woman. She was coming out of um, the library and someone was there getting signatures. And they lied. They said, oh, would you sign this petition to help women's health? And she goes, oh, women's health, that's good. She signed it. Then she found out what it was. And she goes, I would never have signed it. And then she went a step further to see if she could remove her signature once she put it in. The law won't let her do that. She was not allowed to rescind her signature. So it's very important that we have those conversations. So the rest of the ladies that are in that um, social committee at my parish, they all know, don't sign the petition because she made sure. And she's still, she's telling everybody she knows, don't sign, look what they did to me. They fooled me. So I think this has to be, don't you agree, uh, a person to person, everyone, well, groups like SBA List and Priests for Life, we're going to educate everybody. We're going to send emails, postcards, and all that. But don't sit back and just wait for us. Don't we need everybody in the conversation? Absolutely. We're going to have to have these you know, fights person to person, conversation by conversation. You, know, you look at in Michigan, they did an incredible job um, when they you know had that fight in front of them. They raised and spent over $20 million. The abortion industry spent 40 million dollars in ohio the coalition was able to pull together 30 million dollars over the last year the abortion industry spent 60 million dollars and on top of that they've got the legacy media willing to repeat their lies um, while they fact check the true things that the pro-life movement is saying so the way we're gonna have to cut through that noise is by person-to-person -person conversations um, go voter by voter and make sure that we're educated about how extreme these amendments are and also you know uh, refuting the misinformation that's out there uh, and uh, you know, the other part about the dates that you bring up, I think is important is this work has to start now. You know, it, we can't wait until the signatures are verified, the amendments are on the ballot, and then think that's when the campaign starts. You know, they, we have to be speaking for the unborn and standing up for mothers starting today when this threat is before us. And as a united coalition, we need to come together on the movement side. We need to fold in the pro-life leaders from these different states, the, um, the governors, the attorney generals, the members of Congress, the U.S. senators. We have to work directly with them because it's those pro-life political leaders that have the ability to cut through the noise that that the media has to cover what they say and they have a constituency that they can speak directly to um, in a way that the, the pro-life movement would get ignored by the media so we need to unify now we need to you know um, coalesce now and begin mobilizing now and that includes raising dollars now um, because we you know we can't do this without dollars we know that but we're gonna have to you know combined dollars, a unified movement, our political pro-life leaders, um, and our grassroots activists going door to door and having conversation by conversation with individuals. So just remind everyone, Stephen, your website, because you will constantly keep it updated with all this information. Remind them the website and how to find the info. SBAProLife.org is our website. Perfect. Perfect. Well, 
Give my best to uh, Marjorie Dannenfelser and your entire team. And we so much appreciate all the work you do. And we, of course, here at Priest for Life, fight along right beside you. And let's just go on because, you know, we're out there to save moms and babies. And I think we can do it if we all do it together. So thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Janet. You know, we've got a huge fight ahead of us, but you know, we've been built for this as the, as a movement that, that constantly is out there speaking for the unborn and standing up and standing for mothers. Um, we're built for the long haul. This, you know, this is the greatest human rights fight of our generation and and we're not going to give up after a few battles that we've lost. That's right. Well, thanks again. God bless. God bless. Thank you. Well, brothers and sisters, I hope you're inspired to get into action right now. And again, It's everyone's job to do this. Everyone has to have those conversations. And remember, at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, there are some abortions only you will be able to stop. And therefore, some lives only you can save. Join us again next time. Thank you and God bless. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.